Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the Wealth Within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcasts globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. We cover topics from trading to investing, as well as wealth creation to ensure you can achieve your financial goals. Because as we always say, lifestyle matters. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. If you'd like more information about our government accredited courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Hello and welcome to Talking Wealth. I'm Doug Gillam, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within and hopefully we're all doing well during this coronavirus um, lockdown at the moment but the exciting news is we may get to get out um, and do more. I know there's been a few more. I went down, or more people being out. I know I went down the street early this morning to support the local coffee shop and get a takeaway and uh, a lot more cars on the street at the moment so a lot of people I think are sneaking out and sick of being caged up but uh, you know it's uh, one of those things it's we knew we do need to still be very very careful and we still need to be making sure that we're not spreading um, COVID-19 and, and I know there's a lot of conjecture out there from people saying well it's just a flu and blah 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 but it, what we don't want is to overload our health system and um, and obviously people the more at risk the more vulnerable we don't want to be causing you know issues for them and so you know us of us who are healthy um, should be respecting that a hell of a lot and um, you know it really is one of those times where we just need to buckle down and do it and I really do believe Australia will pull out of this really fast the US still stresses me out at the moment the market in the US um, I was only chatting with Janine you know this morning and she said, what are your thoughts on the market? And I said, look, you know, I said, I'm really confident on the Aussie market, you know, in where, whilst I don't think we may have had our bottom yet, I said, but the US market, like during the GFC, I was just pretty comfortable. You know, I knew it was going down. We knew we'd just sit back and it would bottom pretty quickly and everything would happen again. But this one, it's really different. The What happened last month was in the US where the Dow and the S&P both had their largest one-month gains in at least 30 years. And some people were saying 80 years, but 30 years is long enough anyway. But it went up on absolutely no reason at all. And, you know, even to some degree, our market has gone up for no reason at all. Right now, companies don't know the bottom line. They, they really don't know what the effect is going to be more medium to longer term in the next three to six months. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty because whilst the governments are talking about coming out of, you know, lockdown, etc., we still don't know. There's a lot of variables here. It's like, can we get people back to work? And we'll we'll be working back the same way. I mean, people won't be going. We won't be going to mass events like pubs um, or places where you put a lot of people in, like pubs, like clubs, like um, theatres, you know, all sorts of places like that. So it's way too early to say, yes, the market's bullish. And I think it's way, way too early. And I think we still need to be you know, concerned and just protecting the downside. And that sort of caused me to have a think about what my podcast today would be. And I went, 
Jeez, you know, and then we're talking about my our live YouTube show tonight. If you haven't seen our YouTube channel, Wealth Within TV on YouTube, and we do a live stream every Tuesday night, 7 to 8 p.m., and Janine and I get on there, and tonight we're going to be talking about why people's portfolios are so poorly performing, and um, um, they really do. A lot of portfolios that we see from people look like a dog's breakfast, and um, you know, I'm sure you can understand that. Basically, just with stuff everywhere. But but it caused me to do a little bit more research and go and have a look. And I pulled out the ASX survey that from 2017. And I know I've done a couple of podcasts on this one already. It's it's you know roughly three years old. And the ASX do this every two to four years or something. I can't remember. I haven't seen any later ones, but there's possibly a later one out that I need to get. Um, but just looking at that, there was on um, page 46 of this ASX investor study. Now, just to let you know, you can go to ASX and just type in in the search thing, ASX, just put investor, Australian investor study. The PDF will come up and you can print it up and look at it yourself. This is freely available and it is full of amazing statistics to share with you how Australians invest and what people think is good and and what they actually do this is just shows you a mass coming from the asx investor psychology and why and it really explains why most people don't do very well out of the stock market um, but there's on page 46 it says what are australians investing in and how and part of it is on 4.1 it says investments held by investors um, proportion of investors now the survey was done by if i flick a piece of paper i think it was done by deloitte's actually for memory um, but um, it says on exchange investment 60% of Australians are doing on exchange investments or just over um, about 55% are in cash um, about 37% are doing property unlisted managed funds is under 10% and others less than 5% but it actually says on exchange investments are held by more investors in Australia than any other investment almost two-thirds 62% 62%, better say that right, of investors hold some form of on-exchange investments. This could be partially attributable to the low interest rate environment. Again, we're still in that. Um, holding cash is not very rewarding in the current market. That was three years ago, and it's still a low um, interest rate environment, and it will continue to be, I think, for another couple of years, especially the way the economy is at the moment. Nobody wants to ramp up interest rates at the moment. We need to get people spending um, it says on, on page 46, it says shares are by far the most commonly held on exchange investment. Just 24% uh, of investors or 14% of the adult population own other on exchange investments of other on exchange investments. Listed investment companies are the most common product to invest in. Listed investment companies. Now, these are the companies that you buy shares in that invest in other things. So it's in similar to a managed fund. It's just a non-exchange managed fund, basically. Um, and these are followed by exchange-traded products. So obviously, exchange-traded products um, in basically are shares uh, from that point of view anyway. But the interesting thing here, it goes into the proportion of cash shares, property, um, and other non-on-exchange and unlisted managed funds. It does actually show it show us what that is but it's saying around about in terms of international investing we don't do that as much i mean the the our average um investing overseas is only slightly higher than those investing domestically it's about eight point um oh sorry that's the returns that are expecting on average returns sought by those investing overseas are only slightly higher than those investing domestically 8.8 compared to 8.5 percent the narrow difference in expectation may reflect that while over the past 30 years the annual return of the australian shares has exceeded that of global shares i'll say that again 
Over the past 30 years, the annual return of Australian shares has exceeded that of global shares, 9.1% compared to 7% per annum. And this is what I talk about in my book, How to Beat the Managed Funds, um, by 20%, when I coined the phrase, are you diversifying or are you diversifying your portfolio? And the ASX are saying things here. It's um, Australian in 4.1 on page 46. It says Australian investors' are, portfolios are not very diversified. On exchange investments are held by more investors, as we saw, 62%, but they're not very diversified. And we're seeing people go overseas and more and more people nowadays because brokers are making it so much easier for you to buy you know, stocks like Apple and Amazon and all those sorts of things. And yet that people aren't necessarily getting the better returns. If you're doing index investing, why would you bother doing that? And I'm seeing people wanting to do index ETFs and thinking they're diversified and you're not. And this is an argument I had with some financial advisors. They're saying, well, how can you say an ETF is not diversified if it's an ETF covering the top 200 shares in Australia? That's, that's well diversified. And I went, it's diversified like nothing. It isn't diversified. You have one exchange with one stock code and putting your money in one thing on one exchange with one stock code. That's not diversification. What that invests in is irrelevant. You know, what that stock invests in, like you could buy BHP, that's one exchange, one stock code and one company. And that one company has multiple different places that it is doing business in. So that's diversified in that same manner. If I use the same logic as people in the financial industry, that's still diversified because BHP has multiple business units. Um, so what's the difference between buying one ETF and one BHP or one Rio or one national bank? You know, you're looking at the banks, they've got multiple divisions. You know, so what's the difference to me? And if you're buying an index ETF thinking you're diversified, then in my view, which may be right or maybe wrong, I'm prepared for people to say I'm wrong, I just think that's not diversified. It's still one company that you're dealing with. Whoever runs that ETF, whether it's Beta Shares or whoever, iShares, there's a whole lot of them. Why is that diversification? So my argument is if you're buying index ETFs, you're not looking after your portfolio. It's really as simple as that to me. It's if you, just, if you think you're getting diversification and lower risk, then that's definitely not the case. Um, but let's go on to um, there's page 52, I think. Um, the source of investment advice by household income as a proportion of investors. It's really interesting here. And what we find is that the majority of people do their own research. 60% of people do their own research, and that's how they make their investment decisions. But it's also, we know that more than 50% of people um, rate themselves as, as, as somewhat or very, very knowledgeable or somewhat knowledgeable on investing in shares and in the marketplace or in the stock market. Yet the reality is, on a scale of 1 to 10, most people would lucky to be 1 to 2 in their knowledge of investing in shares in the share market. If we actually, if I actually gave you a, an exam on investing in the stock market, I'm guaranteeing there's a lot of people listening to this that wouldn't get a very good result, even though a lot of people think they are. So there's a, this is over-bias or this cognitive bias of people thinking they're better than what they are and the real challenge is that a lot of those people don't even know that you don't know um, it, it is quite interesting but looking at this it goes on for own research 60% financial advisors is under 
under for I think it's about forty percent. Family and friends is about thirty percent. Accountants is about thirty percent, and accountants know a lot about investing in the stock market. Um, then we're getting about ten percent, roughly, uh, in a full service broker, and a little bit about five percent in lawyers. Now I'm not sure how much accountants and lawyers know about investing in the stock market, but interesting. You know, that 60% of people rely on their own investment research. And it's understanding why people's portfolios aren't properly diversified. And, and I want to get into that before I finish up. And there's a whole heap of information on here. So I do suggest you go and have a look at this because it'll show you how and why people are making so many mistakes on their portfolio. But a lot of people look at the big end of town and what's coming out from the financial industry about how to diversify a portfolio. And I want to challenge that and simply because is what the big end of town do and what you would do as an individual are completely different things. And we need to really understand that as individuals. If you are in the stock market, how an institution diversifies has no relevance to you. Okay. And the institutions and the big end of town say you need to diversify widely, like index investing uh, or like sector investing, where you're balancing your portfolio across sectors, a whole range of things. And that what's what I that's why I coined the phrase diversification, because the industry pushes you to diversify your portfolio. Because what they're trying to do is squash the volatility in a portfolio. When you squash volatility in a portfolio, you squash upside and downside. So you get a real average return, whereas to me, nobody ever worries. I've never met anybody that worries about their portfolio rising in value, so why would you squash that? It just doesn't make sense to me. So it's understanding that if you've got a more concentrated portfolio, less diversified in the terms of the industry, but still properly diversified, which I talk about in my book, How to Beat the Managed Funds by 20% and Accelerate Your Wealth, I talk about in both of those. So if you haven't got those, best investment you'll get. Um, for the price and you'll learn a hell of a lot but properly diversifying a portfolio so you're managing risk but still allowing your portfolio to grow um, is so key to having a proper portfolio and having a, a portfolio that really really will kick butt so to me look at your portfolio construction look at what you're investing in but really understand that what they do in the big end of town it's not for you it really isn't for you you're going to simplify everything you're going to lower your cost you're going to increase your returns and you're going to recreate increase the profitability of your portfolio so i think that's just better less work less risk less cost better results pretty much simple to me so um, i'll leave this podcast with you um, hopefully you know you've enjoyed my little ranting and raving on the asx server but again go to the asx website type in their search bit um, australian investor survey and if there's the latest ones there um, which probably should be there might be up by now um, if they did one in 2019 i'm not sure um, go and have a read of it it is really riveting reading i love reading it because it does tell me what people are doing what they're not doing and why we get so many people making poor decisions about their portfolio and diversifying their portfolio. You've been listening to Talking Wealth. I'm Dale Gillen, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. Take care. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com. And click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.